The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined today first by Sia Najad. Sia, welcome in. What's up, everybody? I hope you're uh, excited about the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. I am. I, I like. I, Rick, is is there going to be sentiment like, ah, we don't have enough great golfers here? Is that is that what the narrative is going to be this week? Yes. People who say that are dorks. Greg Ducharme is here. Hi, Greg. I'm no dork. I'm really excited. <laughs> uh, looking forward to it. It's a really cool golf course. Really cool venue. At, at Port Royal. So I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like, yes, obviously it's going to be one of the weakest fields that we have, uh, but someone's going to win. There's going to be six players in the optimal lineup. The contests are still going to be filled. Golfers are going to make birdies. Uh, like it's, it's still happening this week. So I, I, I can be more excited for other events, but like, come on, it's a Monday. We're going to do the, pro- we're going to do the process. I don't, I don't see the problem here. Yeah, we're exactly right. We're going to stick to the process. And this is one of those weeks where you can get these some of these guys in where it you know, you're looking at rickrongood.com and it looks ugly. Uh, but these are this is opportunity for these guys and opportunity for us to take advantage of. Um so I, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I also think it's an opportunity like some of these guys at the top, I mean, obviously aren't like your household names necessarily. It's an opportunity to kind of avoid the pricing and really like put the game theory at the forefront because we're all so sort of trained to be like, all right, well, I got to get, got to play Denny McCarthy. Like he's got, he's a staple. I have to play him. And I'm just using him as an example, but there's nobody here that's like that much better than the guy next to him or a guy five down from him. So you you want to incorporate some of that into this too. Like take advantage of the fact that there's not a Roy McElroy, that there's not a John Rom. I mean, there's a lot of these guys that we have a lot of information on that are, you know, very good. And they might be $2,000 less than a guy that's really popular. Uh, back to a full field event. So we'll have a cut this week. And as mentioned, it's Bermuda. So wind and weather and all that stuff can play a role. We're, we're chatting about this live on a Monday, so I'm not going to pull up the weather report, but something to probably keep an eye on as we get later in the week. Troy, if you could pop my screen up, we can show rickrungood.com. We can talk about this golf course because Greg, uh, Port Royal, you, you mentioned it. It's, it's a, it's a cool course. It looks great on television. It by tour standards is very, very short. Yes. Uh, under 7,000 yards. We talked about it a little bit yesterday on the, uh, on the recap episode. So 6,800 yards par 71. And, uh, it's really designed for wind. Uh, there is some elevation change. Um, there are some ups and downs and some really cool holes, but in large part, the the wind is a is usually a factor here. Now, early reports, as you mentioned, uh, this is uh, only Monday. There's not going to be a lot of wind, with the exception of Friday. Uh, Friday looks like it could get very windy, especially in the morning. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, but it, it, it's a golf course that favors guys who have been accurate drivers of the ball. Brian Gay and uh, Brendan Todd are two of the past winners here. Uh, and and distance is not really a, it's not really a factor here. Uh, so basically, everybody in the field from a club head speed 
point of view is going to have the opportunity to go make some of those birdies you mentioned, Rick. Yeah, nobody's nobody's ruled out, which is nice. You know, you haven't boxed anybody out because of the length of the golf course. Par 71, 68-28 on the scorecard. See, uh, uh, the par threes are the, the hardest thing you uh, out here. Uh, mm-hmm. There's three of them that are over 200 yards. You look at the par fours, you're looking at a lot of shorties, a lot of sub 400 yard uh, par fours. Those are obviously going to be your scoring opportunities along with the fives. Yeah, absolutely. E- easy power fives, short par fours for the most part, and some challenging, like you said, three over 200 yards, some challenging par threes. I mean, but again, it, it lends itself to the ball strikers, right? The guys who can get hot with the putter. That's certainly what I'm lo- I'm looking for guys that are going to be dialed in on approach, or I suspect might be dialed in on approach. And, and guys, I- I'm definitely not playing the sort of the team no putt narrative here. I-, I do want some sort of baseline from a putting standpoint, but if I can get a good putter, and good approach game or just generally good ball striking, uh, that that's the guy I'm looking for. All right. Well, let's start talking about some guys. We'll jump into the cheat sheet and go tier by tier. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code first at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. And we're back. Here it is uh, in all its glory. The six golfers over $10,000 on DraftKings. We'll start with Thomas Dietrich at 10.5, Denny McCarthy at 10.4, Adrian Moronk, 10.3, Seamus Powers, 10.2, Aaron Rye, 10.1, Mark Hubbard, 10,000. Uh, Greg, we can just recalibrate out of the gate. These are essentially all time highs for most of these golfers. So, uh, you know, consider that but we've got to we've got to start uh, being able to spend our money in the 10k range yes um now again see you mentioned this right off the top there's no one here that you have to have i mean they all have question marks about them there are no guarantees in this range that anybody's going to go and play well nobody's head and shoulders above anybody else and it's really important to figure that so you know one guy i really like in this range is aaron rye um, and, and in large part in this 10K range, he's the most accurate driver of the golf ball. Um, he has shown a proficiency for handling wins and more difficult conditions. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I, I like his recent form. But again, you don't love it. So you can you can definitely pivot off of it. I, I don't think Aaron Rye is going to be overly popular, but I think he's a very playable option in this range. And you have to get over the 
mindset of, well, am I really, is he really going to be the anchor of my lineup? Because you don't know that your anchor is going to be going to be in the 10K range. But if you like the player and you put price aside, then it's, it's somebody that you should, you should play if they fit into the, to the rest of your narrative. So I'm not looking at Aaron Rye as the anchor in my lineup. Uh, like last week, you know, Rory or Rom were, was an anchor, maybe both of them. You don't have to do that this week, but I, I but if you really like what a player has to offer uh, and, and you thought before pricing came out that they were somebody you were targeting, it's a good opportunity to play them. Aaron Rye is one of those guys for me. I actually had a Rory Rom lineup in the $200 single entry that made a, made a run at it. It finished like 19th or something, but wow. it was yeah. um, Rory Rom KH Lee. Okay. Nice. Awesome. The rest of it was garbage. Uh, it was God. Now I can't even remember. Grillo, Danny Willett, and sh kim so all those guys finished like outside the top 40 but man the top yeah. was nice the top was yeah. nice boys um aaron rye about three thousand dollars more expensive than he was uh at the zozo championship you can see the ball striking numbers can can pop at times the italian open the shriners rbc canadian open so uh we've got aaron rye uh first man mentioned on the bermuda championship preview see where we headed next <laughs> By the way, I had Roy and Rom. I didn't play a ton of lineups because the contest selection hasn't been great, but I had Roy and Rom in a lineup too, but it didn't finish 19th. I, like it was like the third guy in was was pretty good, and then the other three were just not good at all. But the Roy and Rom part made the lineup cash. So yeah. I'm glad we all uh, had a little bit of that last week. So I do like Aaron Rye quite a bit. And I don't like I'm trying to figure who is going to be the most popular in this range. I think it's I think it's pretty clearly going to be Denny McCarthy. Um, especially, I mean, there's so many things to look at here, his putter, um, his course history here, um, solid form coming in with that said, I think it's Denny. And I think it's interesting that he's lost with the putter significantly over his last, yeah. not something I'm worried about, but I just think that's interesting. Um, I think Denny and Dietrich are going to be the two most popular guys here. Um, Dietrich, just for what it's worth, good course history, good recent history really checks every stroke gain metric, like of, of the basic stroke strokes gain metrics that we see here on rickrungood.com. He literally checks every box. Um, he's an excellent putter. So that certainly helps too. Um, I think those are the, the two guys that are going to get the most ownership. So I'll probably not play either of them. If I had to play one or the other, I'll probably play Dietrich because I think he'll be a little less owned. I like Aaron Rye. That's somebody I'm definitely planning on playing. Uh, Mark Hubbard is is the other guy, I think. I, I do like Moronk. Let me just throw that out there, but I can't like everybody, right? So if I'm picking two from this range and I'm considering the ownership part of it, I think Aaron Rye and, and Hubbard are probably my favorite guys here. Um, Hubbard, the recent history is very good outside of his recent missed cut at the Zozo, which, which wasn't great. Um, his solid, he's got solid course history here. Great putter. Um, your classic sort of shorter hitter with elite approach game. You add that putter in. And I think Mark Hubbard is very, very solid. One of the things that I've been mining into, and this is another positive for Denny McCarthy, Greg is like, Looking at Denny's results, it's T20, T28, T25, T39, miscut T37. That's not overly exciting. But then you look at and you say, okay, well, it's a T20 in Memphis. That was a playoff event. A T28 in Wilmington, that was another playoff event. So what I did is um, I, I pulled up the, the regular strokes gain for everybody over the last 50 rounds. Denny McCarthy's 14th. When you look at them weighted, which is a calculation based on strength of field and a variety of other things, basically the harder the course, the harder the field, the more you you get. He's number one. So even those like top 20s in playoff events, that's not like having me sprint to the window, but that is much more valuable than maybe what his peers were doing at the time. Yes. Uh, and it's important to consider because I think if you're Danny McCarthy and you're looking at this field, you feel like you're um, like you belong. Um, you feel like you're the top notch guy, the, the big dog coming in. And we've seen that a lot this year, uh, last year. And you've pointed out accurately. So how well chalk has done. Yeah. And Rory I, again last week, by the way. You know, right. I mean, it's yeah. been um, unbelievable. <laughs> and and I, I think other guys notice that and say, hey, okay, well, Max Homo was the favorite going into the Fortinet. If he wasn't, he was close. But you know, uh, he's he kind of yeah. he, he's your he's your top guy heading into the Fortinet and he wins. 
And I think other guys look at that and say, all right, well, this is an op- This is my chance. This is my opportunity. Uh, and and it, it adds a little bit of focus. And it, guys are starting to learn how to handle that a little bit better. And I, I think Denny McCarthy could be in the in the same category. So I, I like Denny McCarthy. I do. I'm a little worried about the ownership. I don't have the trust that I do in a Homa or a, or a Rory or some of those other really you know, big names and, and stars who have been proving it for a long time. But I think Denny proved something to himself in the playoffs last year. And there's a, there's an extra motivation and you could see that shine through this week without question. 15th, 439th in his three trips to the Butterfield Bermuda championship for Denny McCarthy. Anything else in this 10 K that we need to hit on before I shoot us down to the nines? I'm just curious if either of you have any feeling like I'm not going to play Seamus power, you know, just knowing that his course history is good and that he is somewhat of a household name, at least like relative to the rest of the guys in this field. I don't think he's going to be super popular for good reason, but any thoughts on him? I mean, is he going to be so unpopular that he might actually be a play? Well, um, I'll go first, Rick. He's probably the most talented player in the field. Um, but this re- the recent form has just been so bad. It's really hard to look past that beyond a game theory play. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think Seamus Power could win this event. I think he has the skill set. And if you took away all the data and all the stats, I would say, yeah, Seamus Power's game could fit. You know, he can play in the wind. Um, you know what kind of ball striker he is in general. And then you look at in his last event, which was last week, he lost seven shots approaching the green. And that worries me. Uh, And it probably worries me too much to play him. I'm a Seamus guy, and I'm not even sure I can get there. Yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah, he lost 7.3 last week, which is the second time he's lost at least seven strokes on approach in his last five starts. He's lost in seven straight. I just think that he is, um, this is probably the worst ball striking stretch we've seen from him in a long time. And we're getting very close to an all time high. And I think he could be more popular than we want him to be just because yeah. he is like, are, are people going to log in and play Seamus power over Adrian Moronk? Like, yes, for sure. They are. So I yeah. just, I do not see a path to me getting to Seamus power. Yeah. One, one, one other thing. This is a bizarre comparison, <laughs> but I do remember last year, Patrick Reed was having an yeah. abysmal, abysmal ball striking, um, time period heading into this event and he he nearly won it i mean yeah, go down go down game. and look at this this was so bad i think uh, he just passed it yeah I think when he just was passed it? it right it there was. all that red yes that t2 right that yep i mean a, atrocious ball striking and and there's something about this kind of golf course and these kind of conditions that has a tendency to spark some players now, is uh, the Irish Seamus Power going to find his way in some potentially windy conditions here? It's a lot to ask. All I'm saying is there's definitely a possibility. So I'm watching ownership with him, and I'm watching the wave. Uh, and, and I think all I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I don't I don't like it. All right, well, we'll see if he can pull a Patrick Reed and just snap off and find a good finish out of nowhere. Was this, so a couple weeks later was was a T3 at the Hero World Challenge. Was it, was that the Hero World Challenge, that one? Uh, no, 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 no. That was the year before. Oh, so he had two back-to-back good finishes at the Hero World Challenge. Yes. Um, yeah, keep it? going. Because he won the Farmers. Oh, it's not even in there. Was that's it? Where, that's when it was, though, I thought. it was. I thought it was this one. Last uh, year, uh, yeah, right. A lot has happened. No, because didn't didn't he make the Ryder Cup team after that or something? Or uh, I don't. No, he didn't make the Ryder Cup team. No, and then he then he won. He won. When when was his win? No, this was before the Presidents Cup. This is two thousand nine. Oh, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. This was a while. Is it, it was this one? It was this, it was, it was this yeah. third place. Yeah, yes. yeah, two third places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Jeez, I was trying to just—I was just trying to do a drive-by on Patrick Reed, and we couldn't even figure it out. <laughs> uh, all right, nine K range. So we've got Justin Lauer, Nick Hardy, Patrick Rogers, S.H. Kim, Alex Smalley, Grayson Sig. Then we round this thing out with Stephen Yeager, Russell Knox, and Robbie Shelton. Um, see, uh, kind of to your point about the differences between golfers in this in this field, I think it's 
reasonable to look at the 9K range and feel more comfortable than the guys in the 10K range because they're cheaper and they're probably not all that much worse. Yeah, probably not all that much worse. I think there are guys in the 10K range that that I can at least make an argument for a couple of them that are that are maybe just a touch, a tier higher, if you will. But I mean, yeah, there, there are a few guys I, I like in this range. I like SH Kim coming off a, a bad tournament last week. Um, elite putter, terrible ball striking at the Zozo. But prior to that, we know we talked about him. You guys in particular talked about him a lot. The ball striking was elite prior to that. Um, a guy that I think we're going to see a lot more of. And I wonder... If at 9,600, people are going to want to pay up for SH Kim, knowing that there's so many more familiar names and also knowing that SH Kim came off um, a, a pretty bad tournament, as we see here, losing, wow, almost seven strokes ball striking is, is pretty pretty staggering, coming off of what he was coming off of. Another guy that I think is there's going to be some some sort of sticker shock value is Grayson Sig at 9,400. He strikes me as the type of guy that people are just going to skip over because they just don't want to pay 9,400 for Grayson Sig. But he was 22nd here last year. He's coming in with good form. Um, his finishing positions have been pretty good for a guy named Grayson Sig, as we see here, T44, T9, T51, T61, a couple missed cuts, T7, T26, T27. So there, there are some pretty solid finishes over the last five or six months. The only other guy I think I want to mention here, and this is more of a field play than it is a metrics play, although the metrics are great, especially when you look at T to green um, and uh, the, the putting, actually. It's Steven Yeager. I think Steven Yeager is the type of guy that could absolutely win this tournament. Uh, he was 20th here last year. The putter has really improved. The ball striking has been an issue, as we can see here. But again, we saw it with the Patrick Reed example. Guys can rebound and, and all of a sudden be great here. But I, I just think he's like if you look at a longer term view, the Tita Green game is great for him. Um and on these shorter courses, I've seen him do well. If we can see the Wyndham on this page, where did he finish? T13. Um, Wyndham, in my opinion, a, a decent course comp. And he absolutely crushed it there with the putter and with the ball striking. I just think he has a ton of upside. Uh, T13 at the Wyndham, fifth at the Rocket Mortgage. That was uh, started a stretch of seven straight events in which he's finished 46th or better. And again, now he's probably going to get the, the weakest field that we have seen thus far. Uh, note on Grayson Sig, uh, this is the most expensive he's ever been. That sh mm -hmm. shouldn't necessarily deter you, but that is just a fact. Uh, Greg, the 9K range, it's all yours. Okay, um, I am curious about a Justin Lauer first of all I, I like the recent results um he has a, a t4 at the Fortinet and and he had a pretty good run you know the nationwide children's hospital he was tied ninth and then you see a t20 at the Shriners as well where you had some really nice ball striking the putter has been cooperating mm. uh, there's this is a great opportunity for Justin Lauer to secure his spot secure his job uh, yeah and, how about the guy uh, who's like literally finished on the bubble greg the last two years how about he just puts that to bed with a win this week doesn't yeah. have to worry about it and and i think he has the ability to do that so i i really like what i see out of justin lauer maybe that maybe this is a spot where you could start your lineup with him and get another one of these 9k guys in there um another guy that i'm i i was interested in jaeger uh, I'm so I agree with Sia there. I I agree with that field play, but I think I think the two guys below Jaeger, both Russell Knox and Robbie Shelton, are really interesting to me. Um, and specifically Russell Knox, I, I like his recent form here. Uh, you see a T12, T16, T11 in the three years here, which I'm very comfortable with. And then the other thing is when you look at these results and you see the losses off the tee, uh, it, it's very consistent. But he's not a long hitter. And a, a lot of Russell Knox's uh, problems off the tee comes from the distance. But it's really, accuracy is quite good. Um, I, there, Yeah, there you go. In 2022, I guess that's this year so far. That was last season. So oh, last season. Okay, good, good. Yes. So that has a full of full results. So, right. you know, this is a place where that um, that consistency of losing strokes off the tee is kind of mitigated here. And then you have a guy who's a really good iron player. He has some great ratings when it comes to approaching the green, and he's on a great run since the Travelers. Uh, yeah, only lost strokes at the at the Shriners. This is a stat profile where you look at the one deficiency and you say that probably doesn't matter here, and then you look at the course history and you're like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because it's not like he's ever been a super long driver of the golf ball or anything right. like that. So, um, yeah, that's that's a good deeper dive into red numbers, Greg. That probably don't mean as much as. 
they would normally meet. Yeah, and it's a it's a rare case. This is where the um, where I am looking at the course history to explain the recent form. And I, I always put recent form over course history. But uh, in this case, I, I think there's such a big difference in where Russell Knox can contend and compete. And and there's a very clear reason for it. Um, and then Robbie Shelton as well. Um, I, I like I like what he did at the Shriners. I like what he's done in his last you know five events or so. You've seen a lot of top 30 finishes out of him. Um, and, and I think that can go a long way for him uh, again this week. He did miss the cut in his only start here, but... He's another guy that has my interest because I'm seeing a I'm seeing a pretty good trend out of him. He he's like my favorite under the radar guy who just got his card. So his last 13 starts, he has two wins and a runner up on the Corn Ferry, and we like never talked about it. He's played three events on the PGA Tour. He's made the cut in all three. Two of them are 21st or better. The metrics are solid. Like I'm I I think Robbie Shelton has a pretty good chance to win this thing this week. Yeah, it's a it's a great point, right? This is a a, a step up from a, a Corn Ferry Tour event, but not a big one. You know, and you kind of feel comfortable here. You're not going to get the giant crowd. It's not going to be like you're stepping into a completely different world this week than what Robbie Shelton experienced on the Corn Ferry Tour. So, yeah, I, I think honestly, I think my favorite two plays in this range are right there at the bottom in in Knox and and Shelton. And then Lauer would probably be my third. Uh, Lauer 9,900, the most expensive in the 9K range, Russell Knox and Robbie Shelton, the least expensive in the 9K range, 92 and 91. We'll continue down the board here. We'll get to the eights, the sevens, and the sixes. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $8,000 range. Pretty small, see ya. Adam Long, Nick Taylor, Adam Shank, Will Gordon, Benny On, Brandon Wu. Then the bottom half, starting at $8,300, is Austin Eckrod, Calum Taron, Michael Gligic, and South African Eric Van Royen. A few names that I'm a fan of here, uh, two in particular. Adam Long at 8,900, I, I like quite a bit. And again, I, I don't want to just overemphasize ownership, but I know he's a familiar name to people, but given the names that we that Greg and you just talked about and some of the names that are below Adam Long, I, I'm not 100% sure he gets a ton of ownership. So, okay, so we see this on rickrungood.com on YouTube. You know, it's the pro, he, he doesn't really profile great, but I think he profiles great for this particular course. He's a shorter hitter. He generally, like, if you look at a more long term view in terms of rounds, he's gaining, he gains everywhere for the most part, minimally in some places. Um, no history here. So that might work against him from an ownership standpoint. Around the green, clearly been an, an issue as of, as of late. Um, so has the ball striking. But again, on this course, I think this, I think Adam Long sort of might, find something on this course. And I don't think he's going to be highly owned at 8,900. The other guy I really like is Will Gordon at 8,600. I will admit he profiles for a different course. Maybe not this one as like, I mean, if we look at even his last three tournaments, he's been excellent, but the approach game, the putter, they haven't been sort of as elite as I'd want on this particular course. But I, I love where the game is at that in sort of the, in terms of the measured events, we see it here. He's lost a little bit with the putter here and there uh, with the around the green game here and there, but the ball striking has been great. And for the record on the corn Ferry tour prior to that, we have some amazing finishes, two T5s in a row, a first place, 46, 26 coming into these measured events. So I, I think 
Will Gordon is still one of those names that that lives in obscurity. And, you know, you could still kind of get an edge on people who just don't want to play a guy named Will Gordon. Yeah, he's um, like just raw strokes gained over the last 24 rounds. Him and Robbie Shelton are the best right now. These are across different tours and there's some caveats here, but uh, they are by far and away the best in just raw strokes gained total 1.5 per round for both of those guys. So Will Gordon, even when I was kind of checking it out earlier, I mean, T5, T5 win, and then he's made three cuts on the PGA Tour seat. Like it's a, it's, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be when I, when I pulled it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, what do you got here, Greg? Um, interesting thing on Will Gordon, he could be maybe like the Taylor Pendrith of last year, mm-hmm. the guy that doesn't fit. But you know, there's always a couple of them, and maybe Will Gordon's that guy. I'm not a huge Will Gordon guy. Uh, it's not because he's named Will Gordon. I just, I don't quite trust his game yet. <laughs> But maybe, maybe he proves me wrong here this week. But um, I, I'm with you on Adam Long. I, I totally second that pick for sure. Uh, and then a couple other guys. Adam Shank, I think, is like a perfect. Uh, I think a perfect yeah. guy for this venue. He's got a tied 16th and a tied 12th in his last two starts. Uh, gained strokes, ball striking very nicely at the Shriners. You could you could guess that he did as well at the Zozo because he's not very good on and around the greens in general. And I would be surprised if at the Zozo, he just suddenly, you know, did it all on and around the greens. I think that's doubtful, uh, especially on a ball strikers golf course like that. So he he definitely has my interest. Uh, And then also right above him at 8,800, I I think Nick Taylor is an interesting guy as well. He did miss the cut at the Shriners, but two nice finishes at the Sanders and the Fortinet before that Uh, some pretty solid ball striking. And I could see a little comparison to Pebble Beach and this place. Different grass type, for sure. Uh, but you have a, a seaside course, not overly long. I, I can see some similarities there. So he has my interest. Um, and then there are a couple of other guys that I feel less confident about. Um, uh, give me one, one second on yeah. those, because what I want to do is... Uh, there's not a ton of guys with a lot of course history around just Port Royal because a lot of guys kind of graduate themselves out of this event and like, right. like Lucas Hubbard's not defending again um, or not defending because I don't know. I don't know whatever reason. So I do like throwing Port Royal and some other course into this. So this is Port Royal and Pebble Beach history. So Harry Higgs has, has 10 rounds combined, a second and 18th and miscut. Brian Gay's been awesome. There's that Russell Knox fella. How about that? Bunch yep, of really good yep. finishes at both Pebble Beach and uh, Port Royal. Uh, Denny McCarthy as well. Nick, T- There's there Nick go. Taylor, 1.4. That's great stuff. So yeah, maybe this is a way we can get access to quote unquote, quote, more course history. It's just course comps. Yeah, course comps. And again, it, it it's not a ideal course comp because I think the grass type being different is, is a big deal. But yeah. um, maybe you see some similar shot values out there, um, the similar distance profile, things like that. It, they ask for accuracy, right? So I, I think some of those things can be important. And a lot of the guys that are popular this week also you see on this list, which is interesting. Um, so a couple, one guy... I just, I want to know your thoughts on this. I'm really worried about the iron play, but it's a young player in Brandon Wu, who I just, I, I feel like it's a total feel play. I just feel like you could see Brandon Wu show his ability that we saw in college, show that upside and come out here and, and perform really well. Um, love what he's done off the tee. And that's that's really it. So what do you think about this, Greg? Because the bad news is he's horrendous on approach. The good news yeah. is he's put up some pretty good results despite that. Like when you lose 3.2 strokes on approach, you're not supposed to finish T39 at the Sanderson. When you lose five on approach in Vegas, you're supposed to go home after two rounds, right? Like you're not supposed to finish even T56. It's actually kind of interesting what he's been able to do despite having such a huge statistical hole. Yeah, you're you're not supposed to even get a chance to lose five strokes approaching <laughs> right. the green. Correct. You shouldn't even have the opportunity. <laughs> right. Uh, I, look, I, I think he's a guy who knows how to score. 
And I think he was brought up that way. And I, I think you're going to see his iron play turn around at some point. Again, when players have a lot of history and we have a lot of data that says they struggle with iron play, I stay away um, pretty much everywhere. But Brandon Wu is so young uh, and, and this experience is so limited. I don't know if it's, uh, I mean, he's not hitting it off the toe with his irons, right? It's not like he's hitting them fat, uh, chunking them into the front bunker. This guy just has a little bit of figuring out to do. And, and I think he can. And I think this is one of those venues where that can happen, where you got to be a little more creative. You got to see some shots and fight some wins and almost like the Patrick Reed model again. Um, but but I, I like taking that chance on a young player, not on an experienced player. Uh, unless you see like a, a Russell Knox where there's a clear reason why he loses strokes off the tee. That hole is defined by the distance. He walks on the tee, losing shots just from distance alone. It's very different than approach play. But he's one of those guys, Brandon Wu, that I think could um, could turn the tide there. Uh, then there, I'm just going to stick with one other guy, sure, who I think has a tremendous upside um, and and is very fairly priced. And I'm, I, I want to know what you guys think. It's Callum Terran, guy I've been watching for a long time. Uh, he first caught my eye at the U at the U.S. Open earlier this year, and we've seen some spotty performances out of him. Some ups and downs. He's had the ability in just about every area to really excel and perform really well. He's also had the ability in every area to struggle. Um, but but I think there's a really high ceiling with Callum Terran, and and he may be worth slipping into your lineup there as a a guy with. I mean, he has just as much win equity as anybody in the 10K range to me. Mm-hmm. You you said it with ups and downs, right? If you're looking for safety, Callum Tanner is not your guy. If you're looking for an opportunity for someone to miss the cut or finish T7, Callum Tanner's your guy, right? Every start dating back to the Travelers, which was in June, it's either a missed cut or a top 27. And there's a couple of top 15s and a couple of top 10s in there, right? So that's that's what you, when he plays well, he plays really well. When he does it, well, he he won't make you sweat the weekend. I'll tell you that. No, hey, we're going to know early, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a built-in advantage with with people like this who have some really bad days and some really good days because everybody that does modeling, and that's that's everybody, including people on Rick Run Good, they're going to see how he profiles in a model over 24, 36, 12, 50, 75 rounds, whatever it is, and it's just not going to look. It's not going to look great. It's going to look very middling. Like I'm not really sure what to do with this. Like for example, if you look at the last. Let's say 36 rounds, fairways gained 115. He's 115th in this field. Um, let's see, another one that's kind of not great. Uh, well, actually, some of this is great, but like around the green off the tee is in the 40s or 50s. My, my point is you're, you're really playing the upside. You're playing the good days. And so a guy like Callum Terran might get overlooked because he just doesn't flash in any particular way other than the putter. But the reality is when he has that good tournament, it is a really good tournament. I don't know that models really account for that. So I think he's a really smart play because I don't think he's going to get a ton of ownership for that modeling reason. I love that. And it's true. It's true. When you're this volatile, um, you end up being yeah neutral or whatever. And it's like, well, now now what does the model do with you? Um, yeah. And this seven- is a great week to take a chance on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. 7K range. Cam Percy, Doug Gim, Sam Ryder at the top. It goes all the way down. It's a very, very big range to Brian Stewart, uh, Hank Lee Biota, Kramer Hickok, Luke Donald. How about that? Uh, the 7K range is large. See, I'm just going to bounce it right back to you here. How would you like to start in the sevens? Only a few guys that I really have my eye on here. By the way, Adam Shank was one of the guys I had my eye on. He was the third guy that I was going to mention in the 8K range. I, I worry a little bit about the putter with him, but I definitely think Adam Shank um, has a shot this week. I, I like Chesson Hadley at 7,600. Um, he's a guy, you guys know, I, I've been on him quite a bit. I'm curious to see if Greg likes Sam Ryder this week, who was right above Chesson Hadley, because he's a yeah, guy I, I took a Really, I figured as much. I took a long look at him, um, and I'll probably end up playing him uh, after Greg's endorsement. But Chesson, so he can dial in on approach and with the putter. And and frankly, that's what I'm looking for, a relatively short hitter that we know. Not only – so the thing about Chesson, there was like a year or two where his approach game just completely fell apart. Well, it is clearly rebounded back to his old form. Like he is really, truly gaining in a significant way on approach week to week. And we know he can get really hot with the putter, almost gaining five at the Shriners, um, gaining over five 
five at the 3M, you know, almost three at the Wyndham, almost three at the Rocket Mortgage. Like, this is a really good putter. So, to me, he just profiles really well. I think, truly, he's a guy – we've seen him compete, too, on, on Sundays. He's a guy that can be there on a Sunday afternoon, and it wouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Ryan Armour, I don't want to fall into the trap of, like, well, he's a short hitter, so short hitters must do well here because he's short and straight. But, I mean, I, I do have to recognize his finishing positions here. Eighth, eighth, and 67th. Now, the 67th place finish was the most recent one. But the one thing I, I like to look for, I don't want to just look at course history. He has flashed recently. Uh, it was at the Sanderson Farms where, granted, that was mostly with the putter. But this is a tournament where you can really do some damage mostly with the putter. So I'm looking for putters. His ball striking was pretty good at the Sanderson. Not amazing. But I think he's a guy at 7,400 that can just kind of plop through this course and give you a top 25 potentially. The last guy I'll mention, two guys real quick. Hank Lebioto, because I'm contractually obligated to mention Hank Lebioto. Yeah. I actually don't think he's a bad play. But the guy I want to mention is Kramer Hickok. Rick, that's a guy that you've been on, I think, over the last year more than like me or Greg. He, I mean, he, I, I think he's actually a really good play. I think you could put him at the at the mid to upper sevens, and I wouldn't really would bat anything at that. Excellent results here, thirtieth, uh, eighth, and fifteenth. So that says a ton. Uh, miscut at the Shriners and Sanderson, but twenty fifth at the Fortinet. So another guy that can crash and burn, and at the same time, like give you a top twenty five. I have a surprisingly good record on Kramer Hickok. Uh, do, you, do you like, like it this week? Uh, I'm abstaining this week so that I can keep uh, that record shoot. intact. Um, <laughs> okay, fine. Like Mark Leishman, I've never ever gotten right. Kramer Hickok, I've never gotten wrong. It's you know just the, those those guys that you either have a feel for or you don't. I don't have an opinion on him this week though. <laughs> Normally, I would completely rule him out because of what I'm seeing with the putter. I don't want to see that. But again, I, I do have to default a little bit to his finishing positions, which have all been inside the top thirty, including one top ten. So apparently, he figures it out. I mean, I, I actually. Can you actually look uh, the last three years at this tournament to see how he's done with the putter? I'd be really curious about. I don't that. think we're gonna have it. Yeah, they don't. They don't take the. Uh, uh, they don't take the lasers and cameras to Bermuda. That's right. My fault. Yeah. But I imagine okay. if you finish fifteenth, eighth, and thirtieth, you've made a couple of putts. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right, Greg. So this 7K range is the first time we get like a sizable range of golfers. We've got some of these shorter specialists like Ryan Armour, who you get like the six courses a year that Ryan Armour can contend on. We got some young guys coming up here. We got some savvy vets. Where do you want to go? All right. So um, right to the top of this range, first and foremost, uh, I am I'm definitely interested in Cameron Percy. He's coming off a tied eighth and a tied 25th, albeit there's kind of a lot of time in between those. Um, but again, he, he's got some reasonable course history here as well. And I think his game fits quite nicely. Um, again, one of the rare golf courses where his game can work. When when Cam Percy is going to play well, you're going to hear it from him, Greg. You're not going to hear it from Cam Smith, okay? <laughs> uh, um, that's bizarre. That's bizarre. Cam, Cam nice. Percy like was a he was like a newsbreaker this year. Yes, he was. <laughs> and that that ha- happens from time. It's a rare thing when a player, uh, you know, a random player on the PGA <laughs> Tour breaks news. The only other one I can remember is uh, Tom Gillis who broke the news about Matt Kuchar or what he paid his guy. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Just like a random, wow, there's Tom Gillis making a, breaking yeah. news. Anyway, so I, I'm I'm interested in Cam Percy, not as much as I like Sam Ryder, though, uh, as Sia already mentioned. Yeah, I, I, I really like him. Gained strokes approaching the green uh, in his last four events. Uh, the Zozo, where, where they didn't have data, he finished tied 36. So you're looking at some really nice, uh, steadying results. And over the last little bit, this approach play has steadied out for him. Um, it, there was a time where it was really good and he was getting into the playoffs. I think that was last year. Uh, and then it got kind of ugly for a little while and it seems to have really flattened out. And I, I like, I like his ability and I love this combination and, and any golf course and any tour event where you have recent success approaching the green and putting. And that's exactly what Sam Ryder has. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm all about that one. Uh, I agree with Sia completely on Chesson Hadley. I love what he's done with his iron play. Uh, some of the performances, I think, have been a letdown for him and for us. Uh, I don't see that happening again this week. So big fan of that. Um, I absolutely second that. Another one who has my interest, who I took a look at earlier, is Bryce Garnett. 
Um, I feel like, again, we've seen some spotty results, as you're going to see with everybody here. Mm. Uh, but there's there's been a consistency and some cut making from him. Uh, another guy that's a, a shorter hitter tends to be fairly accurate, uh, and and most of his most of the work that he does is through uh, fairways gained rather than distance gained. And again, another golf course where I think some of his losses off the tee can be mitigated this week. So I'm interested there. And then uh, I I kind of like uh, Kramer Hickok too, but I want to give you one other guy who um. I, I'm kind of surprised by the price point. It's Kevin Yu. I was gonna I was gonna start typing Kevin Yu. And I thought I mean, look at this. No, he's not gonna say Kevin Yu. Look at this. Wow. Good, good on you, Gregors. Yeah, for sure. How how do you not play this kid? Good on you. Star at Arizona State. <laughs> no, right? it wasn't actually. Yeah. So so he's the best ball striker in the last 12 rounds of anybody in the field. Now you say what you want. 12 rounds is not enough. The fact that he's lost eight of those strokes back with the putter, look, say whatever you want. But um that's that's the truth. And these are shockingly good numbers for a guy who's now full time on the PGA tour in his first three out of the gate. And it's seventy three hundred. Uh, he's he's seventy three hundred dollars on DraftKings. I mean, this could be look with this pedigree. What he did at Arizona State was nearly unmatched. I mean, it, it's it, I can't think of the statistic, um, but he's right up there with the Roms and the Mickelsons at at Arizona State with what he did there. And this is a to me a kind of a laughable price. Now I'm not saying he's going to go win this week, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if he did by any means. So Kevin Yu is almost like a guy that I start my lineup with in a strange way at 7,300. Um, I'm probably not going to play him and Brandon Wu together. There's still a little bit of worry with their youth, but, um, but I will definitely play Kevin Yu. Uh, and if I don't play Brandon Wu, um, cause again, you're taking a lot. So you, you just got to kind of man understand where you're taking your upside and your safe play. But, uh, um, Absolute must. And that's all I got for the 7K range. Freshman scoring record, second to only John Rahm. Um, I'm trying to see what else he did here. Yeah, he's got some stellar some stellar collegiate stuff in here. Yeah, yeah, it might have been the scoring record. I, I, think, I think it was like second all-time scoring average at Arizona State. And I think it was better than both Rahm and Mickelson. I don't have no. that exact one, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm scrolling through like pay, like there's a lot that, yes. that that he is that he has accomplished uh, in his 49 tournament career at uh, Arizona State. Yeah, so definitely a rising star that hasn't drawn a lot of attention and has played really well. Mm, I want to keep going there, but we'll, we will move on. Um, anything else in the seven K range before we find the real values of the Bermuda, Fee- Bermuda championship, $6,000 range. Nope. Going once, going twice. Okay. 6,000. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we got some names here, boys, right? I mean, this is, this is probably, let's be real. It's probably gonna be the weakest field of the year. And these are the guys that are at the bottom of the weakest field. Uh, we can still find some value and it starts with Aaron Baddeley, Andrew Novak and Camilo Vijegas. It goes all the way down. Who is min priced in this field? John Daly. Yeah. John Daly. Daly. Uh, Jared Dillis, JJ Henry. Wow. Ricky Barnes is in this field. 6,100. Um, all right. See ya. What value can we find in Bermuda? Um, real quick, so in in the seven K range, I, I got stuck on your question because I there was so much wordplay with the Kevin Yu thing that I would like I was going through in my head that you guys accidentally delivered on. So, and then I was thinking of Soldier Boy when he like the beginning of that song. Um, you soldier boy to like there was a lot of stuff going on where uh, <laughs> I, so now i have to play kevin you just so i can say that to myself uh, throughout the weekend hopefully it's the weekend okay so real quick real i don't quick, have to go sorry ahead. yeah we're since we're already off the rails here so his scoring average at arizona state was 70.21 just shy of john rom's record better than everybody else and 586 birdies also second to only john rom there you go Wow. So he was behind John Rom, but only John Rom. So take that, Phil Mickelson and Paul Casey and everybody else. Yeah, it's nice. a, it's an impressive group, right? I mean, that's and he, and the guy's seventy three hundred, the most mispriced player in the field, without question. 
There you go. Wow, that's strong. Uh, I, the, the guy I was going to mention in the 7K range, though, was Tyler Duncan. I do think he profiles um, pretty well here. So I don't have a lot to offer in this 6K range. I'm going to throw out a few names. Uh, Kevin Chappell sort of struck me, even though he's not really playing super well. David Hearn with his finishing positions, 39th, 8th, and 8th at 6,400. Akshay Batia, I just think he's talented. I think it could absolutely go off the rails for him, but I, I don't know if you all have any thoughts. We saw him, I think, yeah. at the beginning of the year last year, and then it just kind of, it just kind of all went away for him. Well, I, he, I, go he won in the Bahamas. Maybe he should add a win in Bermuda. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because the other guy I like, and I think this is a, a Greg Ducharme special from before I was on the first cut. Richie Warinsky at 6100. <laughs> you know Warinsky where he does whisperer. well. That's right. Yeah. Well, Greg knows. You know where he does well? He does well offshore. The Puerto Rico Open, uh, the Barracuda, where he's, he's had some great finishes. And for the record, in the summer of just this last year, 2022, he had good finishes at the Wyndham and at the Rocket Mortgage. And you know what he did as a result of you know, finishing well? It was he married the approach game to the putter. And I mean, we see it here. That's pretty strong. The putter was great. And the approach game was good enough to get him a T13 and a T30. Again, it's 6,100. So it's not like a, a play you have to make. But I actually think Wichu Warinsky has some upside here. I, I do think that's interesting. Do you think the Barracuda is a coastal event just because it's named after a fish? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's in like the desert. It's in like Reno, basically. Oh, that's right. It's in Truckee, oh, California, well. which is like 30 miles from the border. Well, that's it's good, offshore like to that. me. It's like all, so anything where it's like not a, like a talented field, I'm just going to assume it's offshore. Here's the one thing about Richie uh, as the whisperer. <laughs> yeah, I worry. Right. I you're really worry about. <laughs> I worry about why, which is weird. <laughs> yes, I agree. I worry about him early in the year. Um, I worry about the. You know, I I love Richie Wierenski towards the end of the year when he's got to keep his card. He has an ability to turn it to flip a switch and turn it on. And I, I just I worry about him early in the year. I don't know why it's maybe it's a motivation thing, um, but I just I'm, I'm not whispering on him right now. Uh, but maybe in like nine months, 10 months, you'll hear another whisper. Take Fair that, enough. Pat Perez and Ches Reeve and Matt Jones. Is it weird that all these Arizona State guys are now live guys? <laughs> like every one of them, except John Rahm. Yeah, yeah it's and very Grayson, interesting. And Grayson Murray, who has tried very hard to be a live guy. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not by choice. But everybody else is, is a live guy. Interesting. Maybe they'll get a new team name. David Eric. Puig. David Puig. Isn't he also a live guy? Doesn't he play baseball? Also, uh, Garrigus is in this. I'm joking. Uh, Garrigus is in this field. Speaking of guys who wanted to play in the 6K range, wanted to play lit. By the way, Reno, it's the Reno. It's it's in Reno, Tahoe, right? So it's kind of coastal, Lake Tahoe. That's a reach. Um, <laughs> this reminds me of the time where I said Brandon Wu and Dylan Wu were brothers. Yeah, that was fun too. They 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 should have a, a some type of Sun Devil team team on live. Well, they could yeah. be the they could be the four devils. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. I don't Better know where what we got now. Yeah, we uh, haven't got off the ground in the six K range. Yeah, I mean, it, we where, did mention Wierenski. Okay, Richie Wierenski, <laughs> we've got off the board. Um, any, any Kevin Chapel got it. That's what got me completely off track here. Is we and then we got into a lot of stuff. Um, where else can we go in the six K range here, boys? Uh, another guy who's won on a coastal event right at the top, Chad Ramy. Um, you know, kind of looked at him because of that thought and then said, uh, there's a reason he's in the 6K range. But he did finish T28 at the Shriners, um, made the cut at made the cut at the Zozo. Um so no that, cut event. Yeah. Yeah, and he came in last. <laughs> it's a great point, Rick. <laughs> I thought I didn't know if you were trolling me or not. Sorry. Like, like he made the cut there. Like, yeah, like look, it doesn't say C U T next to his name, all right? <laughs> Um, um, yeah, great point. So, uh, look, uh, point is that's not really moving me very much. I, I'm not really into that, but there's that one little thing that sticks out there. Uh, there are two guys I think we got to talk about. Okay, uh, of serious interest. One is one's Brian Gay. All right, let's he's been playing PGA Tour champions. He's won here, has a great record here. Um, I mean, how much are we putting into this? Every finish is better than a T12 here. 
He's playing PGA Tour champions. He just finished tied six. <sighs> is this the one week? Do you do you believe in the one week a year? Like, do you feel the need to play Brian Gay this during this season? So annoying. This is so annoying because he hasn't even really been that good on the Champions Tour, right? No, like you see, no. you see, you know this, Greg. These guys, well, when Rick, they he, 50, ha- he hasn't missed a cut. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, so these guys, when they turn 50, are licking their chops. And usually, like, the youngest guys on the tour are the best guys on the tour. And he has not been that good. And then when he's played on the PGA Tour, he's been shredded. Of course, now he's playing better, right? T5 at the Pure Insurance Championship. T6 at the Dominion Energy Charity Classic. That was last week. And now he's going to the place that he's dominated. Like, of course, he's going to finish T11 this week. And I'm not going to be a part of it. But I, I'm like, I hate this. I hate the way this profile looks yeah i i do too but i like the course history and do you just take a the thing that bothers me about the course history play is when it doesn't work i just i feel like i was you know i i followed all the sheep you know i i i just feel so i feel like it's such bad analysis it's so it's such lazy analysis oh he's played well here before but sometimes it really does carry weight so i'm I'm genuinely interested. And if you have to get into the 6K range, or if you want to, I think he's a, a really a viable option. Anyway, the next guy is uh, David Lingmurth, who's missed his last three cuts. Yeah. WD'd from the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, but won the week before that. Um, and this just feels like a, it feels like a place he should do great. It feels like a, a perfect David Lingmurth kind of golf course. Now, he's played here twice, and he's missed a cut and finished tied 57th. So maybe there's uh, nothing to that. But, I mean, there's not, a, there's not a lot else that I'm really interested in here. I got one other name for you uh, that I put on my list. I do, like, Nick, David Ling, I do like David Lingmurth, by the way. I, I think this would be the place for him to succeed at. Yeah. We saw flashes last year. Sorry, I, it's hard to put reasons to it, right? There's not, there's not really much uh, analysis, at least from a statistical standpoint. All right, last name, Scott Brown. Mm. Um, still a great putter. Yep, still a very good putter. He's accurate, at least uh, from a you know a very long term view, uh, and and I think this ball striking since kind of the John Deere has been so, so, and he has a tendency to play well at places that are within his range distance wise. Um, you see a T 16 at the three M of course that favors accuracy tremendously. Again, I don't think it's a great comp by any means, but he can play well at, uh, at Corrales. He can play well at, uh, the Bahamas. He has a T eight at, at the Bahamas as well, where Akshay won. I know it's a corn fairy tour event. He could play well at the John Deere. There are certain venues where he can handle it and he can play well. And I've seen enough out of him of late where uh, I think at 6,600, he's a, a really strong value play with top 25 kind of upside. Anybody else? We've got no. narratives to get to. Okay. All right. So that concludes the logic and reason portion of the show. Uh, we would now move on to our strokes gain narrative, which I believe we're just going to, we're just going to start with the the best thing we got, which, uh, see, uh, describe what happens here. So David, who I actually met David in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, yeah. David has, uh, scribing these songs that replace, uh, regular lyrics from songs that you know with players, golfers' names. And then the next level of this bit has been that your wife, Gigi, actually then performs these songs. Am I am I describing this accurately for all the new listeners and viewers? Yes, and it all happens. Like, David doesn't send me it until the morning. I Like, I, I do this Stokes Gay narrative tweet, which I tweet out at around 10 o'clock in the morning. I usually get whatever comes from David, you know, within the, a couple hours of that. And then the turnaround time is like an hour between the time I get it, send it to Gigi. She figures it out on the guitar real quick, and then I record it. I guess, producer Troy, let's run it. Aruba, Jamaica, who I want to take it to.
Yes, GG. All right. Very good. good. Do we have thank you? There's the lyrics. My favorite part, Camilo Montego. Did you catch that one, listeners? Yeah. That was my favorite part. That is so the, the whole transition from Lucas Glover to Camilo to Higo, I think is 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 elite stuff. Aruba, yeah. Jamaica, woo, I want to take you. That could be Brandon or Dylan. They're both in the field this week. Yeah, it's it could both. also, could you make that you? I mean, I think that should be Kevin You Could be Kevin You. Yeah. There. Well, we're going to do a whole different Soldier Boy thing for Kevin You. so don't you worry about <laughs> Is it. Is Gigi going to perform that too? Yes. Yeah, yeah when, does, when does the world tour start where it's just like, hey, there's now 17 golf songs and we're just going to take it around and, uh, you know, sell tickets to a, a, an intimate venue. There, there, is, what, like there is something. Square Garden? Yeah. I, yeah exactly. MSG, something small. So the, the way this is going, we'll have like 10 or, or like we'll have an album's worth of songs throughout like the, the, the calendar year for some of these tournaments. We could do something fun, maybe with the golfers themselves. I haven't thought it through, but it's, it's, a, it's an idea. Have you ever listened to PGA Tour Radio when that guy, there's a guy on PGA Tour Radio who must buy hours of ads greg you've heard these right where the guy's got these oh yeah arnie's army songs or oh, yes. the one oh, week yes. in augusta or whatever i cannot think of his name mike something oh, oh i don't God. know his name either but I'm i've heard it. he's got a ton of them and he That's... advertises them i mean that means he's selling them people buy people buy it i think <laughs> i'm not sure he's selling any mike stone i looked him up on uh spotify People aren't listening to it on Spotify. They might be. They might be buying the albums, or he might. Wait, just be, I mean, you gotta. You, he's got to be getting some traction from advertising on Sirius. He's on there a lot. You don't think, Greg? I I could buy a lot of ad spots on Sirius, right? Yeah, but I would mean, you if it didn't if it, if it didn't sell? I don't know. Like if my big thing, like I, I don't know. Mike seems like I'm sure he's a great guy. I don't know what his record sales are, but if I had enough money and enough time, and this is what I really cared about, I would just buy spots too, regardless of. <laughs> So that's right. funny. I assume they were paying him to play his stuff. I, I genuinely have no idea, but I hear that Arnie's army thing all the time. On <laughs> yeah. PJ he Tour buys Radio. so much all the time. time. So yeah. that's by him buying it. Okay. I, I thought it was the I, reverse. for the sake of everybody. I hope he is selling a lot of these. Like I, 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 I've listened to them. They're not actually, they're actually pretty good. So they're creative maybe, for sure. Maybe his demo is not listens on Spotify. Maybe that's not his demo. No, I don't think it is. That's why he's advertising on, you know, uh, PGA Tour Radio. Yeah, it's his, a different his, demo. His demo is buy a CD and gift it to somebody for Christmas. How do you know what a CD is? <laughs> what am I, six years old? Like, what? of course I know what a CD is. Way before your time. Oh, Did boy. you get the new Taylor Swift CD, by the way? I got two of them just in case. <laughs> just in case one scratches. Yeah, you never know. Can't be too safe. uh believe it or not we have more do we have the rest of the lineups thank you much brent who is uh i believe on baby duty brent's got a little one Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago so he says when i hear bermuda i think triangle yep disappearances and gilligan's island so his strokes gain narrative oh this is uh this is good this is monahan's island so you've got gilligan higo the skipper Kim, S.H. Kim, Will Ginger Gordon, Seamus the Professor, Thurston Higgs the Third, nice. and Marianne Smotherman. Oh, I, that's good. That's excellent. Nice throwback from Brent. That's pretty good there. Uh, the Model Maniac says his strokes Jay narrative is Butterfield, Weather, Reporters, Austin Weatherman. That's pretty good. Boo Weekly Forecast, John Daly Forecast, David Lingering Thunderstorms, Augusto Nunez, and Bo Van Pelting Rain. (laughs) (laughs) That is excellent stuff from Byron. John Markowski. Oh, John Markowski just spoiled. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you if you guys knew what Butterfield was. Yeah, he spoiled it. I didn't know what it was Uh, for the record. It's a leading offshore bank. I would have assumed it was a, it was a, like a food company. Can't maybe candy. Uh, you know, who oh, no, founded it? <laughs> it was founded by Nathaniel Butterfield. Is that not the greatest name you've ever- Nathaniel Butterfield? It's got to yeah. be the third or something. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say that. See ya. So his son 
It's not the third, but his son is Nathaniel T. Butterfield, which is also when you when you add start adding initials in, it gets even better. Amazing. Butterfield, a leading offshore bank. So John Markowski wants to talk about financial crimes. Ooh. Adam, money laundering. <laughs> Robbie, tax Shelton. That's pretty good. <laughs> tax shelter. Ryan Armored Truck Heist. Justin. Lower your reported income. Austin, cook the books. That's a good one. And Kevin, insider twading. <laughs> <laughs> he says a bonus one. Uh, we found out about these after DA pointed them out. <laughs> That's excellent. By the way, I, I think that might be all of them. I'm not sure, but we got more strokes gain narratives for the Butterfield Bermuda Championship than I think we ever had. And so for the interest of time, we couldn't put them up there. Some of them were kind of racy too, so I couldn't put them up there. Ooh, we'll yeah. have a first Check cut after dark episode and we we'll release the, the racy ones. Um, yeah, it's got butter. It's got Bermuda. It's got everything you could imagine. This, this is this is great. And there's so many good names with Woo and You and Cook and Long. It's you can do anything. I love that some other man makes it into almost every stroke skate narrative that he uh, yeah he he is in the field in. I also the one uh, the triangle. I think it'd be. A, I want to hear an announcer say if somebody hits it out of play. Oh, and that's into the triangle. Right. Like if, <laughs> right. if they can't find it, if they're like, yeah. oh man, we can't can't the get triangle. eyes on this one. I think it's been Ex- eaten up. Extremely disappointing that Cameron Tringale isn't in this field just for that <laughs> reason alone. Uh, Top notch trophy. They. It is a triangle. Thank God. Finally, somebody figured it out with these trophies. <laughs> it took it took Nathaniel Butterfield's company to figure it out. <laughs> Hey, they figured it out at Sanderson, right? Oh, they have figured it out. No, actually, we've we, it's a great trophy, but we found out it's not that good, right? Because it's a rooster oh, and they're in rooster. chickens. Yeah, yeah. True. Still looks good, though. All right. Anything else? I think we've covered all the bases at this point. That's right. All right. Big thanks to Bruce Detroit as all the hard work behind the scenes. We'll uh, mega preview pod this thing on Tuesday and be back on Sunday to recap all the happenings. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad and Greg is available at the real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.